and welcome to Write the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and today I'm happy to welcome Nick Gillespie, director of Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break, a horror comedy premiering at South by Southwest. I was particularly anxious to talk to you about this film because I think it's such a beautiful revenge comedy. And as an openly disabled podcaster who spent a lot of time in the UK... Dealing with the very specific (laughs) incidences that pop up in this film, I found myself cheering loudly for Tom Meaton all the way. So I was hoping we could kind of dive into that a little bit, if that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, I'm glad that you liked the film. I absolutely loved it. I think it's quite wonderful that you've created a horror comedy that's balanced so beautifully between the real and the surreal within the elements. How how did you find you were able to balance that? The balance is a is a tricky thing, and we've, we've walked a bit of a tightrope, I think, in trying to get that right. And I think it's um it's a very heightened world that this all takes place in. And I approached the characters as if they were a version of themselves on social media so that if each character had uh, their own uh, social media page, what would they want the world to see? How would they want, want the world to see themselves? So everyone's a bit heightened in that sense. I guess I, I really I like I like social media, but the kind of reality of it being a, a low-budget UK-based British film, it was shot quite quickly. You know, I've I shot a lot of handheld work with the cameras we use a variety of different formats that you know mobile phones and gopros and things where Mm -hmm. people will be able to kind of think oh that kind of looks real rather than it all being on a a big sort of techno crane or a track and dolly and whatnot so it's trying to balance that reality between uh, obviously a very fictional kind of story but then, of course, you have the representation of the very officious behavior at the train platform and certain issues in terms of disability access that are very much a problem around the world, not just in the UK. But mm. I definitely recognized the very specific brand of it that occurs in the UK, specifically mm. when it comes to getting a glass of water to take a pill when you need it trying to get up on that ramp when there is no ramp currently there. And I wondered if you had any direct interaction with that side of things, or if you had friends who did. Yeah, I mean, my uncle, who died a month before the shoot, he'd gotten quite ill, and he was a wheelchair user, but wasn't always confined to a wheelchair. And um, for example, when we traveled, if we ever went on an airplane or something, we would we would get sort of help from the staff at the airport and we'd be in the wheelchair. So that, that was my very limited experience of that. And I think, you know, in researching it a bit with transport for London, they have a thing, um, it's called turn up and go. Mm-hmm. As I'm told, uh, the idea is that you turn up at the station and the staff will recognise and they will help you or they will help your family. Or And yeah, I mean, interesting that you're shaking your head. So I think, you know, the character of Julie Dude is in her older years, in her autumn years, and she's cared for by Paul Dude, who's a very loving son and dreams of going to be a, he thinks if he's a famous pop star, he can pay for a better life for them. But she does use a wheelchair. It was always written that way. And I suppose, you know, I'm no expert on it, but I travel around London a lot and 
I know there's a lot of places with step-free access, places not. When you, you visited London, you say? Where did you st- Oh, no. Like, I, I go to London literally every year. I used to live in Cambridge. And ah. so I, I've spent a lot of time there. And there's very little step-free access on the tube. Mm. That's that's truly, truly step-free. In America, we have the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, that says that we have to provide certain accommodations. And even within those, they're not enforced, but at least there's something. But in the UK, I find that nobody's particularly willing to go above and beyond. And it's sort of like that letter of the law officious behavior that you get. Well, you need to call this number and I'm going to go stand over here while you call me. And I mean, that was very recognizable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we didn't want that. The, the character, the station attendant was somebody we weren't supposed to like. And we thought that was a useful way of showing that because we could have just helped them. I think it's one of the lights of dialogue, actually. I really appreciated that you demonstrated because it shows also, though, how much Tom Meaton passionately cares about his mother. Paul Dude's beautiful relationship with his mother that he cares so much about making sure that she's there to see him. And he's just advocating to get her the care that she needs. I love that all this revenge is built on the predication of just getting her the accessibility that she should have had all along. It's a very good point. Had he have helped him with the ramp, none of the rest of it would have happened. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very, very, very valid point that you've made. It's the same thing in reality, though, too, I think. There's so much that we don't necessarily know about that happens because we deny people accessibility. So. And what, what would make it better? How, how do you change that, do you think, aside from approaching the government and trying to get them to do something about it? Because for me, I mean, I'm, I'm not super aware of this. We've got a friend, my girlfriend's uh, friend, Clive Bennell, is an actor who's, uh, who became paralyzed and he's a wheelchair. She was telling me an example recently, actually. They went to a theatre show when we were allowed to a year or mm-hmm. two ago. And he was at the theatre loving the show and he wanted to use the restroom and don't use the toilet. So he, you know, he made his way, got to the toilet, right? And it's all fine to this point, disabled access and needs to get the key from reception, which, okay. Now in order to get to reception, you have to go up the stairs. Yeah. That was a story that I heard. But that's very typical and yeah. Not just in the UK. There, there are lots of examples of sort of gatekeeping that access to handicapped facilities or disabled facilities that are, unfortunately, there are reasons why there is such a structure around protecting it so that people can't just go up and easily ask for things. The problem is that we have a system that's built on the expectation that everyone's going to break the honor code. Everybody's going to try to abuse the system, and therefore we have to make it as hard as possible for people to actually use the system, for whom it's hard to even just be there in the first place. Like, if I want to go to a West End show, it's always going to be hard for me to just get up those stairs if if I happen to be sitting in the gods because I can't afford a stall seat. And it's always very interesting to me, the fact that I think in Western society, we've 
structured everything around the expectation that people are going to abuse the privilege rather than trying to provide accessibility for all. Yes. And design things to be more accessible. That is a very interesting point. It's a bit like building walls and then that's going to make people want to climb over them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Whereabouts in London did you stay then? Oh, I've stayed everywhere. I've stayed in Covent Garden. I've stayed in Richmond. I've stayed in Finchley. I've stayed in Marble Arch, Leicester. I mean, you name it. So, because I mean, what? it's it's been like thirty years that I've been going. So, oh wow! Yeah. But it's have you found over the time it's been easier to get around places, or has it gotten harder? Or if it- anything, people have gotten ruder. <laughs> Actually, like that moment when the priest steals the cab and says, you know, well, everybody's mother is disabled. That was literally said to me word for word when my mother and I, who are both disabled, were getting a cab and it was stolen from us by a husband and wife who were popping out of the theater at the same time we were from this. Wow. Alarming to me how the anti-disability animus is growing in some senses in the UK. It just seems to be a thing. I haven't experienced it personally, but I'm very interested to be very open-minded to it, especially with your questions and things. I haven't been into London for, it's been like a year or so now. It's been nearly a year since the UK lockdown came in. I've not really been able to go there anyway. I mean, hopefully there's some new kind of infrastructure that will come with post-pandemic that might be helpful. People, I, I hope, you know, the same with our film, really. I hope, you know, that what every, everybody's been through has been so difficult on so many different levels that I would hope that they come out of this being kinder. And I would hope that selfishly with our film that people like it, you know, they find some fun with it. And it's not all doom and gloom as a, as a dark comedy with elements of horror. Well, I will tell you, like, even my husband, who hates both comedy and horror, could not tear his eyes away from it as I was watching it. He just happened to wander into the room and wouldn't go away. Oh, wow. I don't think it hurt that Johnny Vegas was there as a wannabe samurai tea master, but he could not leave the room. He just was was absolutely glued to it. That's very sweet. Do say thank you to him for me. (laughs) I will. But I do think there is something in this pandemic. People really, really want fun content, fun, joyful content. Horror movies and comedies are the things that are doing it for a lot of people right now. And you're hitting the sweet spot between the two. I I do hope so. Yeah. I mean... When we wrote the film and when we made the film, it was, it was shot in 2019 and just before Christmas we wrapped. So October, November and, and we shot it then. And um, our edit was kind of shut down in March, UK. Lockdown came in in March last year. Mm-hmm. We could never have predicted as filmmakers with our hopes and dreams of what would happen. Yeah. And we carried on the film. Has come at a time. Yes, um, I've said this earlier. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. Uh, I'm not saving lives, but my work is important to me, and I feel very lucky to have been able to continue and get the film made. But uh, yeah, it was never made with the intention of it hopefully being something fun that people can find at the sort of hopefully the mid or tail end of a global pandemic. But here we are, and uh, <laughs> you know, I hope. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. I mean, I love films. I really love films and I've watched a lot during lockdown. You know, that's one thing that has kept me, uh, kept my head above water is, is being able to watch things and, and enjoy music 
and art and things like that. And obviously the industry is forever developing and changing. And I think streaming giants like Netflix, for example, you know, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of stuff on the internet. You can kind of reach for any nostalgic fun memory of the movie and you can find it hopefully and you can watch it on demand that's but, true um, what's great you know I, I can't wait to get back to cinema i can't wait to go to a gig yeah. i can't wait to go to the theater again and, and you know places that haven't been able to a lot of places haven't been able to survive and break away from american youtube influencers i'm assuming as well like yeah the, i've like got a thing space jack tap <laughs> yeah kevin, jack tap. kevin bishop is a wonderful wonderfully talented character actor yeah he is. He's, he's from the uk actually he's actually i could doing tell it. but yeah I, i've seen him in other things oh right okay yes elsewhere a lot yeah i mean it's it's great it, honestly i'm so thrilled to sit here feeling so privileged as a as an independent i've made i've directed a film and it's playing at south by southwest and i'm yeah. really happy because talking about you know touching on the pandemic it, there, there are good things and this is one of them and I think we're not all there together you and I might we might have met for a, a coffee or something there and, and done the same interview there'll be another time I think when that will all happen again but um, it's great that the industry is adaptable yeah. and films can be shown because aside from my own selfish needs to be in a room full of people who love movies it's yeah. about the film now and it's about them watching it and I'll tell you, for me, from my disability side of things, it's actually far easier for me to be in many spaces at once in the pandemic than it would be physically in Austin. So it makes yes, it much simpler. Because I, yeah. I was just at the Berlin All and before that at Rotterdam and, you know, all these places that I wouldn't physically be able to travel to without a great personal health cost. Yes. Well, I mean, so you get to go you get to go to lots more festivals, virtual yeah. festivals. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And it creates this kind of access that's exciting, but I also crave the in-person excitement as well. So I, I desperately yeah. miss that. I really do. I think we'll get back to it. I think, I think we'll get that again. I'm really hoping so, because I think there's something very palpable in the live experience of getting to interact between the filmmakers, the actors, the audience, and obviously this film, because it, it is so much about kind of the live experience of the glitz and the glam and the fun. It would play much better, I think, if you had a whole audience hooting and hollering around you at the same time. and really cheering those murders as they happen. No, I, I really respect that. I think I think it is um, something about being in a room with an audience and the few times that I've been lucky enough to do it where, where it's um, you can feel it, you can feel the audience, not just hear it. When they cheer and laugh at the right places, it's like, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have to just put it on the television and have some um, canned laughter playing in the background. <laughs> I might have to have a little button when I press it or something. But I mean, do you have festivals in the UK that you're planning on taking this to after South by Southwest? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, it's having its world premiere. There's some fantastic festivals. So it's world premiere at South by Southwest. And then there are some fantastic festivals all over the world that I'd, I'd love to take the film to or for the audiences of those festivals to be able to find the film and enjoy it. And there are uh, definitely the UK ones. I, I don't know genuinely where, where yet. Um, I think it will 
play somewhere. I, I really hope. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, last year there's another film that I worked on called Delia Derbyshire: The Myths and the Legendary Tapes. Yes, I'm really excited about that one. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really excited about it because I'm a huge yeah. Doctor Who fan. So brilliant. So I shot that film. I was the director of photography on it, and Caroline Katz, who wrote and directed it, and she's in it as well. Absolutely brilliant filmmaker and uh, it's produced by Andy Starr. Tom Meaton's in it as well he plays Paul Dude so do watch that yes yeah, playing South by Southwest which is really exciting but he yeah. played London Film Festival that film uh, last uh, year yeah October yeah. and that was all um, online that was a sort of online experience that was my first online experience of the film festival and it was actually it was quite fun watching it come come up with a little trailer at the beginning and it had the logo of the festival and I, I did feel like I was part of it I knew yeah. I wasn't there with everyone but at the same time uh, of circumstance not being able to go I did sit at home in my comfortable clothes and I thought I'd love to see my friends but I, I don't have to make that journey into <laughs> busy yeah. centre London on the train and then buy some expensive food and an expensive drink and so I, I, I was finding positives of it and I think it's it's the same same here. Yeah, and it's wonderful that we can enjoy your films the same way now. And I thank you so much for bringing this film to us at South by Southwest. And I look forward to seeing more of your work. So congratulations on making a wonderful film and good luck. Thank you, Ariel. Really lovely to talk to you. I'm really thrilled that you liked it. And I'm glad your husband liked it as well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You do too. Have a lovely day. You too. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of land stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land, and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Mm-hmm.